0: Hello and welcome to today's VJ Hemonk podcast. We are a global open access video journal bringing you the latest in hematological oncology. In today's podcast you will hear from experts Amir Zaydan, Rina Buckstein and Valeria Santini who share some highlights from the 2022 IWMDS meeting. The experts comment on key presentations and take-home messages and also highlight the importance of improving clinical trial design and access to therapeutic agents for patients with MDS.
1: Hi, my name is Amr Zaidan. I'm joined today by Dr. Valeria Santini and Dr. Ina and we are going to talk today about the first international uh, workshop in MDS that took place in, in Miami and uh, included two days of intensive talks about MDS and how to improve drug testing and the delivery of new medications that are safe and effective to patients with MDS Um, and we had more than 40 speakers excellent workshop so I'll start with you Valeria like what are your main take-home messages from the proceedings in the last couple of days
0: as you just mentioned there were two intense discussion days in which the I would say the Physician, the clinical researchers mo- who are more involved into in uh, MDS research, we're presenting not only their um, observation and their results, but also we're commenting on the hot topics and the subject uh, that we would like to cover for MDS. Uh, With that I want to say that uh, this gathering was extremely important because there were many critical lectures so we had to think uh, of what we were doing, of the results we are discussing every day, just taking it for granted. And uh, uh, this is uh, something that is resulting in a very important uh, uh, time for reflection, time for planning new studies with different point of views and with different design and of course uh, exchanging in person the impression and the ideas and trying to find a way to collaborate in different countries uh, builds up uh, uh, I, I, I'm I, sure great uh, hope and uh, for, for patients and for ourselves there are still Um, areas in MDS in which we do not have success in treatment and this is what we would really like to cover. The more we are uh, the easier is to find a way to design the ideal study and find the ideal therapy for different uh, MDS subtypes.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Rina, you you talked about the importance of um quality of uh, life and assessment of frailty in MDS patients who are much older than some of the other cancer patients who ongoing clinical trials. And this is a big issue in clinical trial design. So what, what are your thoughts on how we can improve uh, ter- clinical trial design from that perspective?
2: So thank you, Amr. Yes, I think, um, I think it's critical uh, that we going forward, try to understand the patients that are um, unable to remain on our therapies and uh, evaluate whether or not some of their patient-related factors, we we say, which include quality of life metrics but also um, frailty and comorbidity, and see whether or not they are impacting their ability to stay on drug because many of the drugs that we're testing require prolonged administration to see efficacy. So we want to minimize the futility of, of putting a patient on a trial and exposing them to toxic therapies, if um, uh, you know if, our, if, if some of these factors identify these patients as you know high failure rates, and at the same time it gives us the opportunity to perhaps design our trials or customize our trials. To um, for these patients who are not going to be able to stay on drug on the traditional dosing, but maybe on different schedules and doses, may be able to tolerate these medications so that we can reach all MDS patients with these novel therapies. And I also think that um, it will maybe better clarify why uh, some patients respond better um, uh, because it, it's, it, it's entirely possible that having frailty or increased comorbidity may correlate with maybe a more complex genotype and, and, um, um, or disease biology, and that that's part of the reason why they're not doing well. It's not just um, from toxicity, toxicity purposes. So lots of research opportunities, and um, the major thing is that these are really easy metrics to embed in our studies. They take literally two minutes, and, um, but they're not captured prospectively in our trials, and I do think we can learn a lot from some simple uh, assessments that the physicians can do, the clinical research assistants can do. Uh, I think it'll add a lot to the, the depth of our understanding of, of clinical in their clinical trials.
1: Yeah, thank you for that answer. Um, Valeria, um, there has been several disappointments in large phase trials in MDS in in the last couple of years. However, there is a lot of excitement still present in the field because there are several drugs that are in um, advanced clinical testing. Um, Maybe you can tell us about some of those uh, drugs and what are the type of data that we are waiting for in the next couple of years in higher risk. And I'll ask the same question to Rina in lower risk MDS.
0: Sure, so you want me to say something about the high risk Correct. And you know, what I appreciated in these two days is also the confluence of interest of uh, basic science and clinical research, because we should speak even more than what we do. This is, having said that, I really want to uh, point out that we are waiting uh, for the results of a very interesting combination. So, as I cited in, that is the standard of care. It's always uh, present in the therapy, in the new and the novel desi- uh, design studies. Um, as Azacitidine plus venetoclax is being uh, evaluated in high-risk MDS and the results of the so-called Verona study should be available in a short time. We are very eager to understand whether this treatment that is uh, approved for uh, elderly ML for since some time, would be available for our MDS patients as well. So this is the first trial that we are really looking for, uh, for World 2, and another very interesting kind of approach is that using immune modulation and immune therapy uh, in uh, high-risk MDS. And we heard a lot about uh, mm, the combination of anti-CD47 antibodies, especially magrolimab with azacitidine. Uh, The results of this study that is still ongoing are very interesting and uh, the evaluation of the uh, let's say efficacy and safety will require still some months, I suppose, to, com- to complete the enrollment. But the results we have seen until now are very interesting with very high response rate and a prolongation of response from uh, duration of response that is really significant. This would be a diff- complete different approach from what we have seen in the last uh, couple of years. Uh, as I mentioned in my talk, we are taking an empirical approach, but uh, the more we know the biology of MDS, the better we could uh, really uh, target uh, these uh, cases. So there are other uh, studies ongoing uh, using um, other uh, agents like ELTANEXOR uh, um, or uh, the RARA-ATRA, um, uh, uh, yes,
1: that's why yeah, one, yeah, four, two, five, yeah. Yeah, very tough.
0: Yeah, yeah, tamibarotene, tamibarotene. Tamir- 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 bar- yeah. tamir- yeah. bar- that is also interesting and it's a complete new approach. So I think that these novel um, targets and these novel uh, agents will bring us some uh, good news for our patients.
1: Perfect. Rina, in lower-risk MDS, what do you think is um, kind of very exciting and we are waiting for results on?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And and Valeria just spoke about the, um, the results with two very promising agents, uh, imitalstat, which is a telomerase inhibitor, um, and um, Roxodustat, which is a HIF-alpha, um, prolongs the life of HIF-alpha and, and uh, simulates uh, a hypoxic environment so that HIF-alpha can then go to gene, do, be a gene transcriptor and, and upregulate things like erythropoietin and downregulate things like hepcidin and increase erythropoiesis. Um, so those are very promising drugs. Um, what's really interesting about uh, imatelstat is it works even in the most heavily transfusion-dependent patients, which is something that we don't always see with loose powder sept. And uh, it seems to work even in very, very um, um, transfusion-dependent patients. So I'm excited to see the results of the randomized study versus placebo. And it's, it also is very well-tolerated, and it's, um, so we'll And have to wait to see the results. Um, the other low-risk um, drugs that are still under clinical evaluation, but if you ask me, are extremely exciting are the clinical trials about um, targeting the inflammasome and the mitosome, which is upregulated in low-risk MDS and contributes to the ineffective hematopoiesis It leads to um, pyroptosis and ferroptosis and death of our, our cells so that uh, we get these cytopenias. And um, there are a number of clinical trials ongoing targeting these uh, aberrantly expressed pathways um, and um, uh, so we'll, we'll, but they're still in the earlier phase development, so we'll, hopefully they'll read out at least the phase one, two studies we'll read out next year, and then we'll see whether or not they're worth taking into phase three.
1: Yeah, and my last question for both of you, this is a subject we did not get to cover because we did not have the time, but it's drug access. Both of you come from other countries, uh, uh, Canada and Italy, where drugs tend to get approved, uh, you ju- I think, much later than they get approved in the US, even when you have positive trials. So how do you, how do you view that discrepancy? And uh, it must be frustrating to see some drugs get approved and take a long time to be accessed. Uh, so, d- like, how can we improve this? I
0: can basis? speak for Europe. In Europe, as you know, it takes a long time. Uh, drugs reach Europe later anyway because mainly pharmaceutical companies are leading their uh, registration trials in the States first and then internationally, sometimes only in the States. So for us it's, uh, it's very frustrating as you said, because patients can read about drugs and uh, we don't have access to them. L- uh, let's say less and less because we get the investigational uh, studies, we do not get approval so quickly that's uh that's a big point. I think that uh, we could work also with patient advocacy to um, express the need for uh, having a quicker approval or anyway easier uh, consideration of new drugs. but as a matter of fact, we feel that we are always a step back um, and uh, we need to uh, render all the procedures a little bit ra- more rapid because of the sake of our, because we need them and for the sake of our patients.
1: Yeah, how about the Canadian perspective, you know
0: It's very
2: similar um, to the European. Um, we're always behind, um, often a year or more bef- before drugs become available. Um, partly because the filing by the pharmaceutical companies tends to go first in the United States. But also there's um, there's much, because it's a, you know, socialized medical system, um, and uh, there's there's not unlimited funds in our healthcare system. Uh, our government does a lot of uh, pharmacoeconomic analysis to determine the the additional benefit um, of of this agent, um, and and there's a price tag attached to it. And so, if it doesn't reach that bar. if it it exceeds the bar that they are comfortable paying, often very successful drugs may be rejected. And that's extremely frustrating as well. Um, You know, there is sometimes a middle ground and some compromise in the pricing of the drug. Um, Certainly, pricing of the drugs makes a difference as well and will hopefully improve accessibility to some of our patients, at least meeting the bar of, of our government's requirement that they be cost effective. So, um, it's not just efficacy, but also is it cost effective, especially when it's, it's a publicly
0: funded healthcare system. As likewise in Europe, yeah, of course, no, because when a drug gets approved, it's available for all the population, so that means that the cost effectiveness has to be evaluated carefully because, of course, it's all state funded. Yeah. There's no unlimited.
1: Yeah, hopefully this issue will improve because drug access is certainly as important as having positive uh, clinical trials for our patients. So at the end, I'd like to thank you again for um, giving us your perspective and for your great work as part of the steering committee for this meeting. And hopefully we can uh, have uh, another great meeting next year for the second international workshop on MDS. Thank
0: you so much. Thank you. You too, and congratulations. Absolutely, thank you for sharing this. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VJHemonk and subscribe to VJHemonk Podcasts on Spotify, Apple and Podbean. Until next time.